What up, what up, what up, what up? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hathcast Unscripted. This is Brett Roberts. Josh Tull is joining me today for another episode of our Unscripted podcast. <clears throat> Joshua. Brettua. Dude. Good to, ha- good to have you in my ears. Good to have you in mine. You good to have you in many places inside my body. They can't see us, so they don't know what we're doing right now. But Yeah, we could be pegging each much. other for all you know. You know, not to get grotesque right off the bat. You're giving away too many secrets here. <laughs> Have to get tells a conversational audio only podcast. We're petting each other in the background. You would never know. That's right. I mean, we really could be doing anything. I could be in some bunker somewhere, you know, Saudi Arabia or something doing in, uh, crimes against humanity in Nepal. Yeah. Shout our Nepalese, the- ne- ne- Neapolitan friends. Yeah. Shout out to them. Number one gaming podcast, even though this isn't the gaming podcast of our of our empire, but you know, yeah, that's true. We don't we don't really talk about games much here on this one. No, that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. All right, so listen, I want to talk to you about a couple of things here. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a conversation. I want to ask you a couple of questions. I want to get your thoughts on some things. You're gonna ask me some things, and that's just what we're gonna do. Okay. So this is real quick. This is a supplement to our normal podcast. Yeah, uh, haptic haptcast, which is again, like you said, video game centric. That goes up on YouTube. This is an audio only uh, podcast where we talk about whatever we want. No no script or planned activities to supplement everything else. So make sure you subscribe, you follow. I don't. What are you? What are you? What are you holding up there? Is that a little turtle? Yeah, it's a little turtle. I like it. I'm I'm viewing you through the port where you're keyed out, so it's keying out. It's the turtle from California. The turtle from that from little, the board the board game we played. The the murder game. This is one of the clues. I do remember playing that. I don't remember there being a turtle. Yeah, it was in her pocket, someone's pocket. Anyway, we're inside but, baseball yeah. here. Yeah, anyway, holding so a turtle. Please subscribe, follow everywhere, do it all at Have to Get Until. That's all you need to know. Yeah. If you're listening to this right now, that you're already listen, you want you got the message. You know what's going on here if you're listening to this, because you, you would have had to have been an audio listener to to find this. So but maybe other people don't know, and you should go to their house and kick down the door and tell them. Yeah. Go knock and kick down the door and maybe bring a shotgun if you're in the United States. So, you know. Knock, knock, zoom, zoom. Knock, knock, zoom, zoom. All right. So, listen, I want to ask you about something because you were a Boy Scout growing so up, right? So, I, I need to preface that I've, I saw this. I saw this listed on the thing of stuff that you might want to talk about. And I'm telling yeah. you right now, I can't give you too much information. I know it's abysmal and I'll explain why I can't, but I'm telling you right now, don't get your hopes up for me to just completely divulge what this is and what goes on to you. All right. Okay? Well, listen, here's, here's what we're going to talk about. It's like the one secret so, in my life I've kept for a very long time. So go ahead. I, I guess I was a fool to think you would give it up on, on air. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, here's the deal. When I was growing up, I had a friend. And it wasn't Josh. It was another friend. And, and he was a Boy Scout. And here's the thing, guys. Not only was he a Boy Scout, but he was in something called the Order of the Arrow. Yeah. So I, I'll i give you my perspective on what the Order of the Arrow was. And then, Josh, you tell me what it really was. Okay. At least without without you know giving away yeah. your secrets. Yeah. Oh, I um, was a Boy Scout as well, and I was also in the OA. So. Okay. Okay. So go ahead. I think you were kind of. I think you were kind of done with all that. Oh yeah. You- I, I I made it to life, and I never did Eagle because I was like, I don't have time. To, I was too busy with musical theater. I don't have time to do an Eagle project and help like homeless people or something. I'm out. Goodbye. Right. 
So the order of the arrow from from my perspective. So my friend would tell me all these things that he went through to become a member of the order of the arrow. And I thought, wow, my friend is being groomed by a bunch of Indian men, a native American men. And he is getting raped every weekend <laughs> in the woods. That is what my understanding of the order of the arrow was. So he told me, and I, I swear to you, I scouts honor, if you will. He told me that they took him in the woods in the dark. They gave him a couple of things and they said, you're on your own kid. And he had to literally survive in the woods by himself. And then he said, native Americans came out of the woods and he couldn't tell me anything else. And I said, you're getting raped. And he said, I'm not. But I can't tell you what we did. So what is the Order of the Arrow? So it is basically a honor society within the Boy Scouts, right? So you have to get to a certain rank already in Boy Scouts. I think you have to make it to first class. So I forget the ranks. I, I don't know. I haven't been a Boy Scout in 37,000 years. Um, but you have to get to a certain rank. And it's basically an honor society for people and a leadership role for people within Boy Scouts that basically serve as leaders for their troops, because usually it's troop-based. However, there's I can go a little inside baseball with you about what's required. It is basically, for lack of a better term, an honor society within Boy Scouts that you get extra leadership responsibilities. They're supposed to be troop leaders, you know, older yeah. guys that are like leaders. It's great for service. You have to attend like certain meetings and things like that. But what Alvaro is telling you is not wholly inaccurate here. Oh, I shouldn't so, use his name maybe, but. So you got raped? No. Okay. No, there's no rape. I'm using that word too loosely, by the way. I apologize if I'm offending anyone, but. You have to. Um, molested. <laughs> Uh, no, no molestation. There is something called the ordeal that you have to go through. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard of this and this is where my mind goes. You're getting raped. Yeah, I understand. Um, first of all, there's definitely cultural appropriation going on. Okay. So let's just get that. These meetings. Let's get that completely at at, specifically the ordeal and some of the now. there's like a general like the OA is an officially sanctioned like thing within Boy Scouts. Like, Boy is Scouts, it just is it just our region or is it nationwide? It's nationwide. It's like a nationally okay. sanctioned thing. Like the OA is the thing. It's fairly selective, but it's usually facilitated on like a troop by troop basis, so very lo- locally. Um, but you know, so like things, the traditions that are held might differ slightly once you actually become an OA member, and I'm sure there's a lot of cultural appropriation going on. And So we're stuff. talking white guys wearing headdresses? and Oh, yeah, for sure, 100%. Uh, including in my experience, 100%. So, uh, so the Indians, the Native Americans that came and visited our friend in the woods could have just been his uncle. Oh, they absolutely were. They were white dudes. Yeah, that's 100%. Okay, all right. The OA was founded by a white dude. Um, oh. Now, I forget... But was the learned... Boy Scouts were the Boy Scouts founded by a pedophile? I don't know. Were they? I don't know. I'm probably. Um. Anyway, it's based off of some like, like northeastern American, Native American like 
tribe and i forget the specifics like i said it's been a million years i don't really remember um, but anyway so you have to do this thing called the ordeal one of the things in the ordeal is having to sleep alone in the woods so there's sleeping in the woods alone and there's a couple you know, i mean do you want me to go into it there's kind of, there's a couple of different parts here i mean if there's any entertaining parts like sleeping in the woods like yeah i'm trying to remember so i mean there's like four requirements that you have to do sleeping in the woods is one of them i mean you're not really sleeping in the woods because it's usually happened with other people so like they weren't too far from you um in my experience i think i remember like it was like middle like dark in the woods and they took a bunch of us out in the middle of the woods and separated us but like when we woke up in the morning like we were only like a couple hundred feet from one another like it wasn't really you know it wasn't really that bad um you had to sleep alone in the woods you were fed uh smaller portions to eat like you part of it was like mind over matter thing so like you wouldn't get full portions of food or like you'd only eat like once a day or something like that for like the course of like a weekend or something like it wasn't that bad um you had to sleep in the woods smaller rations um oh you had to take <laughs> you had to take a vow of silence for a day so you couldn't yeah. talk for a day and would you do this outside of it or would you do this at like at home or would you do no this, like, it was you? like you had like a a weekend where you okay. went usually at summer camp where you had to go do your the trials or whatever now i remember our friend would take the vow of silence and do it at home not in my experience okay you had to do it i remember it at least for mine they had to do it in one like 24-hour shot interesting so you couldn't talk um and then i think the last part of it was just like service like you had to do like service like helping you know around camp or like going on a hike or like something to help like the campsite and the rest of the the group members or whatever so it really wasn't too too bad to be honest with you um and then you had the you had to wait like a couple of weeks or something and then there was the induction ceremony which is yeah you know, where, thing, where things get abysmal <clears throat> and then you had to attend meetings but like the thing is dude people were so abysmal that were in it especially the people that were running it that they treated it like a cult right so like you had whether in your troop you had oa members or when you went to summer camp you always had like full oa meetings and everybody treated it such secrecy to people that didn't know like other scouts that didn't know to try to scare them or whatever and like sometimes like i mean in my experience at least like some hazing stuff was involved and things that probably shouldn't have been and definitely weren't sanctioned so it might you know depend on like a, a case-by-case basis but that's pretty much it dude i mean there's really not it's really actually not that interesting <laughs> right but when i'm a kid and my friend tells me he had to sleep in the woods alone and had to be quiet for a day and then uh indians came out of the woods i go oh yeah well something happened here right and then and he won't tell me about it for like 10 years you know right and a part of it too was just to scare people i think you know or like right. whatever so that's pretty much interesting. it interesting interesting well thank you for enlightening me about the order of the arrow um yeah but I, additionally i want to talk about things that scare scare people you have in your list of, of potential topics here folklore and fairy tales and underneath that it says mexican elf are we talking like buddy the elf or like no. elf no so 
I read this news story a couple weeks ago, actually, and I just remembered it today when we were putting out topics for this. So basically, the president of Mexico post a photo um, with something that he claimed as an elf. Um, and I'm not trying to be rude or, or yeah. yeah, I'm not trying to be rude or mean here, but like this dude is very into like mysticism and like spirituality and like things like that. I think he's posted something with the picture where he's like, life is mystical or, or, or something. And uh, is dude, this, is this the guy that told Trump, I will not pay for your fucking wall. Same I think guy? so. I think so. Okay. So, you can find this. His name is Andres Manuel. Um, he tweeted out uh, a couple of weeks ago two photos, and he says this. I share two photos of our supervision of the Maya Mayan train works, one taken by an engineer three days ago, apparently from Alux, another by Diego Prieto of a splendid pre-Hispanic sculpture in Ekbalam. Everything is mystical. That's what he said. Everything is mystical. The photo on the right is just statues the photo on the left is of a tree at night that looks like there's a statue in a tree or something like that but oh yeah he, he went on to clarify that he thinks it's an elf that is awesome and so dude that, <laughs> i love that could you imagine if biden was just tweeting like found an elf <laughs> honestly <laughs> you know whatever dude <laughs> i mean <laughs> I mean, that would be fantastic. Yeah. The real reason I wanted to bring it up, though, is because I want to have an, a serious conversation in regards to fairy tales and folklore and ask you if there's anything that you think in folklore or whatever, or fairy tales, that's actually real. Because in my opinion, a lot of it is based off of people seeing or misinterpreting things and then getting scared and yeah. creating stories to justify that, which I understand. Yeah. But is there anything where you're like, I got my tinfoil hat on. This is an actual thing. Could be Mexican elves. Could be something else. I, I love the Mexican elf. That's awesome, dude. I love that. Um, I called it a Mexican elf. Yeah, I like that, too. That makes it even funnier. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think that there's a lot. And like you said, a lot of it can be justified by real, real things. Like, for example, the Chupacabra. Right. You know, for years, people in Me we're back in Mexico now, um, the people in Mexico thought, my animals, my livestock are being killed by a, a, a creature. It has to be a mystical creature. It's a chupacabra. Uh, but really, it was probably just like a wild dog with no hair. Um, you know, like a, like a dingo or something, right? So there's always there's always an explanation. The Loch Ness Monster, it's just a log. Or there's an explanation that the Loch Ness Monster was a, a big Indian elephant underwater with its trunk sticking out, right? So... There are, there's a lot. I don't know if there's any that I'm like, yeah, I believe in that. I certainly think that there are things out there that, especially like in the ocean, mm -hmm. there are things that we just have no idea about. Um, right. And I don't want to sidetrack too much, but like, can I be honest? Like, that's actually one of my biggest fears is underwater, like creatures underwater and like what we don't yeah. know about. I mean, we can hardly get to the depth of the ocean. <laughs> right. I think. It's it's literally like going to space, but the opposite, right? It's right. There's it's so unexplored. We know less about our own planet underwater than we do about space, which is insane. Right. Um, but I just what scares me is like that video game uh, when we were at Subnautica when you're underwater. Oh yeah. Like, there's some shit in that that is spooky, dude. Like mm -hmm. just creatures underwater, like kaiju, 
big giant monsters like that kind of stuff really i love that and like sometimes when i'm going over a bridge in real life like when i'm driving and i'm, I'm going over a bridge i'm like damn wouldn't it be crazy if something just came out of the water right now like mm. i that's how that's what my brain thinks about or if i'm at the beach i look at the coastline and i'm like damn wouldn't it be sick if like a mo- like a like kaiju came out of the water like i think about that shit mm-hmm. so to back to your point yeah i think there's definitely some shit underwater giant krakens uh stuff like that for the longest time i did believe in like bigfoot and the loch ness monster and i just think that they can be explained by things right you know <clears throat> my what thing about is you? god sorry i was gonna say what about you what do you like what's one that you think is real so my my problem is i don't know if there if i think that there are any like my <clears throat> i love stuff like that and i love going down rabbit holes and yeah. like from like a storytelling or like an interest perspective, I think that stuff's really cool. And like I think watching stuff about Bigfoot and all those things are really cool. Oh yeah. But I can't sit down and be like, oh yeah, no, I think that's real. Like my brain is way too analytical. And my thing is like, <clears throat> if you don't show me consistent, repeatable evidence, how am I supposed to believe you? Where is like the definitive proof of Bigfoot after a certain amount of time? Like there's the famous images, but like where is it? Where like I, I'm in New Jersey, for example, right? The Jersey Devil is the big thing yeah. here. Yeah. Where is the definitive proof of the Jersey Devil? And I'm conflicted with myself because on the flip side of it, not fairy tale creature, but like I believe in ghosts. Right. Like I do. But I've had experiences with them, especially as a kid. Like that would actually be a great topic one time to talk about those. Um, yeah. And I've seen repeatable evidence of me that i'm like if that's what we're calling ghosts then i've seen that over and over and over and over again so like i'm conflicted with that but even with that like i i analyze it i'm like okay is it actually plausible and most of the times people are saying utter bullshit but just because 99 percent of the stuff out there is bullshit doesn't mean that there's you know actual truth and evidence in the one percent that's remaining that is valid you know right 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 i think the I, and I agree with you, like consuming media about that stuff is is entertaining. It's super entertaining. When I was a kid, we had this book in my uh, my library at an elementary school, and it was about Loch Ness Monster and other mythical creatures and whatnot. And I rented that book so many times just to look at the pictures mm. of the creatures that were in it. Um, and you could literally see on the sign out thing, like my name was on there like a shitload of times. It's awesome. Because I just, I just kept that would be amazing if I could. They just tore my my old elementary school down, so oh, no. it's probably gone. But um, so yeah, I agree. But like the thing about the shows are, they're like we're gonna go find this thing, and it's like right. you know that they're not gonna find it because if they did, it would have been online. It would have been right. the news. You know what I mean? It would have been out there. So you're like just wasting your time. It's hyper sensationalist. Right. The one thing that I'm like, I, I that I find super intriguing, and this could be a whole other topic of itself is the ancient aliens Mm. because I watched that and there is shit from history. And there are literal, like you said, the proof, like the artifacts that we have and the, the structures that have been built and the, you know what I mean? The temples that have been constructed, like there are things that indicate that someone or something came here and taught our ancient ancestors how to do certain things, how to make certain things. Like, how right. did they know certain things lined up with the sun and the moon right. and the cycle? Like, not, how does that, how did they know that? Yeah. So that I find super, super Well, I think we know the answer to that now, at least you and I. Right. I tried telling someone about this, that 
is not you and I. And they were like, yeah, man, that's cool. Anyway. Oh, like, no. Uh, they thought I was insane. But what you're referring to is the um, not not the uh, extraterrestrials. Right. The extra tempestrials. Correct. You got it. We got to talk about this now. You want to talk about it? I do. So it's it's this theory, and I don't remember the name of the author or the scientist that I'm, I'm um, pulling that up right now. He's an anthropologist, right? Correct. He's an anthropologist. He so this guy, he's an anthropologist, uh, Doctor Michael P. Masters. He is a master. Yeah. Uh, he has this theory and this this idea that UFOs, aliens, as if you will, aren't actually from other planets, and they're actually from different times, uh, specifically from the future, and he thinks that they are anthropologists coming back to the past to, to study what life was like during our time. And it makes sense. And there's a lot of reasons why it makes sense. Uh, do you want to go into any of them right now? Or Yeah. I mean, the main one is the statistical improbability of the opposite explanation, which is a big which is life. Right. Which on other is planets. A, right. Well, at least intelligent life or life that right. we'd be able to communicate and make contact with and fly ships to us and, Right. Um, and so the book is called I Identified Flying Objects. And this is this is truly one of the best books I've ever. I mean, I listened to the audio story because he narrated it and he's. Yeah, he'll put you to sleep sometimes, but he's awesome. I think the thing that I really liked about this is that he poses it as a theory and he's not shoving it down your throat. But he's also like he explains it. and He's like, but this is why I think this is true. Right. And it, it can't be anything else. But he's not like pushing it. No. I don't want to sound like we're pushing but, a theory as well, but no, but it's one of the few things that have been presented to me in this tinfoil hat space, if you will, that was right. like, here is the actual mathematics behind it. Here is the, not just theories and like predictions, but here is like statistical analysis, math, anthropology, like all of these practices apply to it of why he thinks it's more plausible. And the crux of the argument is that the sheer possibility of intelligent communicative life within anywhere that can travel to us in our solar system outside of you know the world is so infinitesimally small it's zero yeah that's his that's what he postulates is that it's zero didn't he say like it was the equivalent of uh, an alien going to pluto for a sandwich or i forget the the analogy he used but basically just a it would make no sense for someone from another planet or another galaxy to come all the way to our galaxy for the finite resources that we have it makes no sense right um and he was like from like an anthological perspective like there's no benefit to them like for their survival at a speed like he went and he right. goes down all of these things and it's like yeah that makes sense and he's like so basically it's statistically zero the, the probability is zero and then he postulates he's like and is it's more likely and a simpler explanation to assume that we are going back in time, right? And we are the flying objects or all of these other quote unquote alien things that have seen it. And then he, what I love especially is that he leans into the paradoxes that, that creates with like some of the famous things in the past, like Stonehenge, the pyramids and all of these things. He's like, then we would have been the ones that have created it. And then he talked about time travel paradoxes and things like that too, which is just always one of my favorite topics. Um, but he, he leans into it and he goes through it and he uses analysis and he's a really, really intelligent guy. And one of the best things that makes me, I mean, listen, we, we might 
never know definitively, obviously, and it's just a theory. But one of the things that makes me okay with believing it is that he's like, I'm probably 100% wrong. Exactly. And that is awesome. Yeah. And and even if it is wrong, it's fun to, to speculate because yeah. you know what? It's probably neither. It's probably right. not time traveler right. or aliens. It's, just it's probably just offers an alternative that's more likely. So, right. But it's really it's cool. fun to think about. It's absolutely fun to think about. It's a great book. Identify Flying Objects Dr. Michael P. Masters. Highly recommend it. Uh, so if that, if going back to the original question that you asked me, <laughs> what do I believe in that? Right. So you believe in people from the future time traveling. Yeah. Which UFOs. when you say, which when you say, say it out loud, makes me sound like a fucking loony person, but, right. but, but, but people in the future. So he explains like nowadays when we want to know about a culture or when we want to know about a civilization, we have to like go and go to their location and like track their remains, their skeletal remains, like anything that's left behind, right? Mm -hmm. But in the future, if we have the ability to go back and study human and human life and what it was like, uh, especially like maybe pre-disaster right. or pre-war or something, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they would do that. Um, there's a theory that like we are, one of the things he talks about is like, we could be facing like an extinction level event and that's why it's so prevalent right now right among all like that's why we're seeing so many right uh, and so. why why the government is finally sharing things right because it's like well it's going to keep happening and at some point we just got to be like all right well if could, you could time travel right now yeah to any time period you would want to go to times that where history changed where things changed right you would want to see that like if you could go and see the end of world war ii you know what right. I mean? Where they're burning the, the Nazi flags and whatnot. Like you would do that. So it would yeah. make total sense if you had a time machine, you would go there and people would see you up in the sky looking down. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let's say there's a war coming and people want to see the events that led up to the war and study that. Mm -hmm. That's now. How wild would it be? And this is going off of what you said. And I just had a brain blast and a story idea. I mean, it also maybe it is, a, maybe it's actually going to be reality, but wouldn't it be wild if like, the president of the United States or like the UN or whatever, like made like a huge broadcast and was like, listen, UFOs are real. They're not UFOs. They're, you know, us from the future. And they are coming here from other worlds because earth doesn't exist anymore. And we're about to face mm. an extinction level event. So here's what we need to do to stop the extinction level event from happening. You're going to start to see UFOs all over the place. And nobody's going <laughs> to, nobody's going to, that would create mass, a true test. That would create mass chaos and panic. And but that, that would be, be the ultimate off. test for humanity because we would fail. We would not be able to no. organize ourselves to prevent that from happening. Absolutely not. It would it would yeah. actually might be the thing that causes it to happen. Right. We've been told many times in the past that, you know, if we don't change our ways, the environment, you know, things are going to be very bad for our future and we just nobody listens. No. Although at this point the environment isn't the, the prescient issue. That is, that's a later problem that will happen if we don't kill ourselves first. It might be too late already. Yeah, and we we might be off the deep end already. We might be in yeah. utter freefall, not know it. But right, that is awesome. Well, that was a fun little yeah. rabbit hole to jump down. Yeah, I, I don't want to get too tinfoil hatty about the the time travel uh, aliens or whatever. But mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like that's what my mind when you bring up the topic of like what what do I think is real in that realm ancient aliens is like something that I think is probable and right. that leads me to time travel. So. Yeah. Screw Bigfoot, dude. Yeah. Bigfoot can't be real. 
Um, or if he is, like we would have seen him by now. Same mm-hmm. with like a Yeti. A Yeti and the Bigfoot are the same thing, basically. Right. One's in the ice and one's in the woods. So right. there's like a regional variance, like a Pokemon. And right. I, I've never seen one, so not real. Yeah. Um, Loch Ness Monster. I mean, is it cool to think that like a dinosaur somehow uh, survived the all these years and the meteors and stuff like that by like going underwater and like survive? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool to think about. But wouldn't that also be more plausible in, like, the ocean rather than a lake? Right. Like, what if they're, I forget the the name, but, like, those huge whale-like things from, like, prehistoric times. I forget. uh, It's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember it. But the ones with, like, the crazy teeth and, like, snouts and things like that. Like, what if those are still, or some sort of permutation of those are still existing somewhere, but they're just, I don't know. maybe Maybe the surface of the Earth is too warm now for them to exist on higher levels of the ocean. So I just actually saw a story and it was about a, I forget what the term is, but it was a scientist that studies bugs and they were at a Walmart and found this weird looking beetle and they took it and it was a big, a big, like like a real beetle, like an actual thing, like a big ass bug, dude. Yeah. And he took it and he like put it in his hands and then went about his day and took it home. And, um, I don't know what the term for it is, but like preserved this bug by like pinning it in paper you know, like when you have the wings, you spread them out and right. you pin it. So, like, he preserved it. Years later, he was a professor and he was doing a lecture and he was, like, showing students the slides that he had with the with the bugs on it and stuff. And someone came across that one. He misidentified it. It was actually a bug that has been thought to be extinct. It's, it's from the dinosaur time. And he found one at a Walmart just stuck to the wall outside. And it was, like, a huge breakthrough where people were, like, freaking out. Wow. Uh, in the community, because like that's an animal or a creature, an insect that has been thought to be extinct. And there's other instances of this, too, where, like, people are finding new species of toads in the Amazon right. jungle and the rainforest and stuff. Right. So, like, there are things out there that we don't yeah. know about. And as it sounds a little bit more, but as like ice as global warming continues to take its course and ice caps continue to melt and stuff like that, who knows what's going to be released? Yeah. Not just animal-wise, but outside of that. I mean, who knows what's in there, and it's preserved. Right. I actually saw, I think it was on Joe Rogan, dude. They said that they were going to be mating. They were going to be using woolly mammoth DNA and mating it with an Indian elephant or uh, an elephant of some sort. That's the second time I'm referencing elephants on this podcast. Uh, They're going to be, like, basically making a clone of a woolly mammoth. Right. That's fucking wild. Because there's this like there's like this it's not an uh, an Indian elephant. It's like this rare elephant that very closely re- resembles the DNA of woolly mm-hmm. mammoth uh, because the area was like untouched or something like that for a long time. So like that's insane that we're going to bring something back from extinction in that yeah. manner. It's just so crazy. <clears throat> that's and that's a creature. That's a creature that totally would be like. One of those mythological creatures. Oh, you know yeah. What I mean, like, yeah. And that's just going to keep advancing and getting crazier and crazier and crazier. But right. what's more, that's not scary to me. I mean, that's 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 no. interesting. And I think we probably should do things like that to try to figure stuff out. <clears throat> but what's scarier to me is, like you said, with the ocean, like what don't we know right. is down there? Like what is the actual – I know it's low, but like what's like the, the percentage of what we know as far as biological life that is in the depths of the ocean? 
Like there are extremophiles and these other types of creatures that live in ridiculous, uninhabitable, you know, normal outside of normal biological norms in our oceans that we don't know about. Like it's a small percentage of what we actually know about. Yeah. So what don't there we could know? be a there could be a Cthulhu down there, dude, for all could we know. Could be. Could be. We don't know. We won't and we won't know until we know. You know what else is crazy? <clears throat> side topic but mm. you ever you hear about the bends you know what the bends are the bends like when you dive yeah yeah dude that's insane what it does to your body so what it? isn't it just like it makes you like sick or woozy or you lose your sense of direction yeah like you your body it, it basically has to do with the depths you're going at and the pressure at which you're going in if you don't <clears throat> pressure yourself and they have like special chambers and stuff that you have to go into to prevent it and I'm not a diver, so forgive me if I'm wrong on any of this, but you can get something called the bends. And there's extreme cases where, like, your body distorts and whatnot. Um, let me see if I can find an image here. And your body distorts? Yeah. The. Mm. Yeah, I've definitely heard of it before, but I'm not familiar. It looks like decompression sickness is uh, mm. that's what I'm looking at. But yeah, I just, I think that's. <clears throat> terrifying too because it's it's a it's basically like your our bodies are not supposed to be in space or in the ocean you know what i mean like we can't handle it right for one way or another humans were not made for that not supposed to be there i'm not even supposed to be here i'm looking now um so the broad term for complications due to changes in ambient pressure on the human body is decompression illness there are actually two primary complications involving the formation of gas bubbles Inside mm. the fluid of your body. Oh, my God. One is decompression sickness, which is a localized formation of painful gas bubbles. The other is called arterial gas embolism, where gas bubbles enter into pulmonary circulation and are distributed throughout the cardiovascular system by the heart via oh your God. arteries. It can interrupt blood flow to vital organs, much like plaque formation in the vessels of the heart or brain leads to interrupted flow in case of heart attack and stroke. Yeah, that's not good. But I remember seeing something about maybe it's not the bends, but I've seen something where a person they let me see uh, diving. What, they, they they dived and their body got fucked up. Yeah, dude. Uh, I can't find it. I'll have to find it, and I'll talk about it on the next episode. But. Okay. Yeah, it just it's it's terrifying. It's it's terrifying that you have to what lengths you have to go to to go even as deep as we can, and you imagine what kind of life forms need to exist down there. You know, I mean, it's cool to think about, and it's also scary to think about. It's like, although yeah, we have coexisted for so long, I guess it doesn't really matter. But but like sometimes you'll see creatures like float up, like dead bodies of creatures, right. and they just. So insane. Listen, brother. It's a big, it's a great big wide world out there. Yeah. I found something. This Peruvian diver, uh, his body swelled to double its size after diving. Mm. That is very bad. He looks like the Michelin man. He looks like he injects the muffin uh, man. Muffin man, dude. He looks like he injects um, that shit into his muscles to make them artificially big. Mm-hmm. But it's from uh, from diving. Huh. There you have it. That's cool. All right, listen, we have time for one more topic. Let's end on something a little bit lighter. If that's all right with you. Yeah, what do you got? 
I wanted to talk, this is a thought I had the other day. So I am watching How I Met Your Mother for the first time. Yeah. I'm absolutely loving it. And I'm honestly surprised about how much I'm loving it. It's, it's just been, I feel like since we've been adults, there hasn't been like a sitcom where it's like, this is a great sitcom, you know? Yeah. It's kind of a dead art form. And I know there are sitcoms out there, but like when we were kids, I feel like there's like a million of them, you know? Mm-hmm. And really like 90s, I feel like was the heyday of great yeah. sitcoms. Early 2000s. Yeah. But I was, I'm watching Ted Lasso right now, which I would call a sitcom for the most part. It's a drama. It's a sitcom. It's, you know, it's, it's sitcom-ish. But I'm, anyway, I'm watching How I Met Your Mother. And I was really blown away by how many people in the cast have gone on to be massive stars in their own right. right. So Jason Siegel, obviously. Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, Kobe, uh, Kobe Smolders, who Ryan. does a bunch of, yeah. Uh, Allison Hannigan, um, Lindsay Fonseca, who plays the daughter in it. And then there's a bunch of guest stars, or uh, Brian Cranston, a bunch of guest stars that are on it for like small episode engagements that then you see go on to do crazy things after that. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking the other day, I was like, there's no, there's so much media now that we consume. I feel like there's no show that is like the springboard for people's careers anymore. Yeah. Like, I feel like sitcoms are great with that back in the day. Like you get a guest appearance on a sitcom for like, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 episodes, or you do a sitcom, like it's your first thing that you do. And then you go into massive careers after that. I feel like right. that just doesn't happen anymore. So my question to you was, do you, can you think of anything that is like a modern sitcom that is a springboard for actors careers? Because I couldn't come up with anything. No, I think the modern version of that is just these dramas that we get, like Breaking Bad. And because look at Breaking Bad and look at the stars on there. Right. Uh, like Aaron, uh, Aaron Paul, mm-hmm. his career like exploded after Breaking Bad. Right. So I feel and shows like The Bear, uh, right. the main character of The Bear. I forget the actor's name that plays Carmi, but uh, he is like exploding in popularity now. So it's like sitcoms were an interesting way where these talented actors could go and test their skills and maybe not put on such like crazy performances, but still like connect with audiences. And nowadays it's like you get thrown in the deep end and you got this drama and you're responsible for pulling off the role of your lifetime. And people don't even know who you are. Right. Uh, That's how I see it anyway. Maybe Netflix, like I think Netflix shows are, are the new sitcom almost because they just shit them out just as much as sitcoms used to get shit out. Right. And maybe that's it, dude. Maybe that's why you are associating these two things together because there were so many sitcoms that it was just bound that those stars of those shows would go on to do other things. Right. Maybe that's the possibility. Maybe it has nothing to do with the fact that they came from a sitcom. There's just so much out there nowadays. I feel like there's not like, I don't know. It's definitely not a prevalent genre really anymore on TV. No, it's really not. It's kind of dead. And nobody, if they if they exist, nobody really watches them. Right, right. It's I don't know. It's just an interesting thought I had because like there's so many people that are on that show where I'm like, Jesus, like you did a small stint in this and then you got acting, you got a career out of it basically. Right. Um, or some people that maybe didn't have a huge career but then did it and then they had a massive career after it. Um. So except for the guy that plays Ted, the main character in that, Josh Radner, never did anything else afterwards. <laughs> and I've seen him in one other thing. He plays the same fucking character. Right. So 
Yeah, I think like Breaking Bad is like a good example of that because you have actors like Giancarlo Esposito, who was a you know good mm-hmm. actor in his own right beforehand, but now he's doing mm-hmm. everything. Bill Burr was in Breaking Bad. Aaron uh, Paul was in Breaking Bad. Um, people knew how good Brian Cranston was, but that kind of like kickstarted his career again almost. Sure. He was no longer the Malcolm in the Middle guy. Right. So I think that's like a good example of like a, ca- a star-studded cast like where people went on to do big things. Yeah. Um, but even that, that's that's you know a long time ago at this point yeah stranger things is like mm. a phenomenon now all those kids are doing things you know what i mean so i think it's we're like i said i think we're just on these dramas now and these like scripted dramas and that's yeah. kind of the new new way drama is so much harder to not just do but i feel like breakthrough and comedy. like drama is drama is hard in a different way comedy is even harder but drama is really hard i feel like to be scene i don't i don't know you're right but it, i think it gives you a chance to stand out because if you're good they're right. you're gonna it's obvious that you're good right you know what i mean you can't just be average and go do a show like that right like the bear you can't be an right. average actor and go on the bear because you're gonna get called out yeah. no none of those actors are average that is a that is a phenomenal right. show and the now what i'm calling a star studded cast everybody brings it to that they're fucking awesome right. they're fucking and you know awesome. what you're gonna see all those people and stuff <clears> like uh the main character is going to be in a, and I'm a wrestling fan, so I'm really hyped for this, but there's a, a movie coming out about the Von Erich family. It's a family of brothers, mm-hmm. and he's going to be in it. Zach Efron's the main character. Wow. Uh, the dude from the Bears in it. MJF, the wrestler's in it. Like, mm-hmm. all these wrestlers are going to be in it. So I'm excited for that. I'm looking forward yeah. to that one. Um, and the guy that plays Richie in that show and Sydney, oh, yeah. I like both of them a they lot. Even, even the uh, the woman that plays Tina. Tina's a great character. Yeah. Um, and the baking dude. What's his name? I don't know. know the guy that the guy too. that bakes. The guy that bakes. He's cool. The donuts. Yeah. I could look it up, but I don't feel like it. So that's a great show. But anyway, all right. I just I, I don't know. I was I've been ruminating on that. So I love it. But that's it, Brett. We're uh we're at time for this. So all right. Well, well, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to to us talk about uh, ancient aliens and time traveling people. And uh, you know, we'll see you next time on the next episode of Hapticast. Live every Tuesday at 6.30. Uh, Aftercast Unscripted is a little more sporadic than that. But if you follow us on Spotify, you know, you'll always see when a new one pops up. So, yeah. Like, comment, subscribe, do all that. I have to until. Goodbye.